Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Okay, if you would go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 14, verse 1. We are continuing in a series. We're calling We're the Church, and we started this with a vision to say, Holy Spirit, lead us through this time. Lord Jesus, you're the King and you're the Lord. Lead us through this time that we're walking through. And and it's been amazing just how many different ways the Lord has spoken to us already and helping us, giving us grace for walking through this time. And so, uh, Father, we just ask that you bless the reading of your word now in the name of Jesus. So let's read. Acts chapter 1 verses, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 14 verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> the same thing occurred in Iconium. So what we were talking about last week, we'll make that point here in a minute. Same thing occurred where Paul and Barnabas went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks became believers. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained there a long time. It's interesting. So they remained there a long time. They remained there a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who testified to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done through them. But the residents of the city were divided, some with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, the apostles learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, the cities of Lake Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued proclaiming the good news. And this is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. So what's going on here, uh, before I get to the text, is just a reminder, as if you need it, we are in a hard time, and we are being pressed in all kinds of different ways. And I know you're saying amen in your living rooms, you're bumping the person that got a little short last week and, and all the, <laughs> those different, maybe it was more than once. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my wife. Um, it was me. It was both of us. Man, pandemic. Ah! And right there with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're just being pressed. All the different stuff that's happened, COVID, social unrest. Oh yeah. By the way, we've got elections coming. Um, and there is pressure on us that's exposing all kinds of stuff. Our sin struggles, our escape strategies. Can I get a witness out there? Our selfishness, our control. I mean, even control just as an idol. If I could just, if I could just control my world and make it work the way I want it to work. And there's so many different names we put on these different idols, things that creep in and take the place of Jesus instead of us trusting in him for the way through all of this. But we need to remember, I'm not going to pound the pulpit, we we need to remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus King, he's in charge of everything that we're going through and he's going to lead us through this time. He is bigger than what we're going through. And that we need to be shaped by his thinking, by his love, I'd even say this, we need to be think, uh, shaped by his worldview. 
I mean, the way Jesus thinks is the way we need, as we go into the elections, it's not too soon for us to be talking about that right now. I'm not going to give you a message a week before and say, hey, live like a Christian, live like somebody who's following Jesus. And it's not even just, you know, have a biblical worldview. Yes, have a biblical worldview, but you need to have a, a Jesus worldview. We were on the color of compromise thing last this past week. Jamar Tisby was talking about how the South and the North were preaching the Bible and then went into a war that killed 700,000 people. We need a Jesus worldview where we love our enemies, where we care for one another, where we go low and come under the Father in all things, every single thought, word, and deed. That's not in my notes. That's just a little pre-election talk there. We'll have many more of them as we go. But remember that, Jesus worldview. That's the point. We need a radical reorientation to Jesus Christ. Radical. Change our thinking, Lord. Repentance. Align us with you. Now, check this out. Verse 1. This caught my attention. The same thing occurred in Iconium. That's how 14.1 starts off. The same thing. Well, what was the same thing? Uh, what happened? What's the same thing that happened? And why did that, that catch my, my attention? It's because they preached the same, they did the same thing and they preached the same message. They went to the synagogues when they started. That's where they, you know, and I used to think, I think growing up or something, I thought, you know, they went to the synagogue, like maybe there's some more open people there or something, you know, for preaching the gospel. And could be. But the first reason is it's Israel's story. I mean, straight up, it's the story of Israel that he's proclaiming here. So he goes to the Jews first. It's their story. And, 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 and so I want to I wanna this week actually talk about what we talked about last week, but with different points, because it's worth talking about. I mean, this is Paul, the apostle, the great theologian. This is his first sermon, and he is laying a paradigm here for us to understand how to preach the gospel, how to preach the good news. And it may not always look the way we sometimes in the West think that it ought to look kind of an individualistic salvation and we go to heaven when we die he doesn't even say that actually and so it, it is about forgiveness and it is about freedom but we're going to kind of go through that again it's really important this is paul says this is the good news point blank in verse 32 in verse in verse 32 he says this is the good news. And we're going to look and see what is there and what isn't there as he preaches the good news. And then he finishes with this intense warning from Habakkuk 1.5 that we talked about last week. I want to talk about expand Habakkuk a bit more this morning as well. I was down in Waco this past week for some oversight team meetings, and we had Vincent Carpenter come in, and he talked a little bit to us about race. And I'd just been chewing on this passage Paul's first sermon he finishes with Habakkuk 1 5 and Vincent comes into the room that day and he goes I just got to tell you guys you know the Lord spoke to me we were talking about race race relations and uh, he said the Lord spoke to me five years ago from Habakkuk 1 5 and he said that the Lord he was going to use me to be a bridge between the black and the white church and he said and, and, and that verse is you won't believe it even if it's right in front of your eyes and it's a challenge for us to have faith. It's a challenge for us to believe. And so he really arrested my attention again, and I just couldn't get away from us going back to this thing one more time. So 
And not just even about race, but about, Lord, what's in front of us that you want us to see and to believe during this time? What is it you want us to guard against unbelief for? So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Here's the main thing. God is calling us to believe in the work that he is doing in our days. Okay, that's, I think that's pretty clear for us. It's a word for us. And I've got a few handles here. And the first one is this. We're called to believe in what God is doing in Jesus. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. To believe in what God is doing in Jesus Christ. So it's centered in Jesus. This whole message that he preaches in Acts 13 is centered in the person of Jesus Christ. He looks at Jesus. He sees the resurrection. He is an apostolic witness to the resurrected Christ. And now he's looking back, back in time at the story of Israel. And he's looking retrospectively through the lens of Jesus to understand the story of Israel. Does that make sense? So he's looking through the lens of Jesus and he's looking at the story of Israel. And that's why we talk about this all the time. If you flash that slide up, John. Yeah, the, uh, just the, the story of God's story for where we go from creation to new creation. We are always, that's what Paul's going to do here. He's, it's a shortened version of that, but he's framing the story through the lens of Jesus. So he tells the story of Israel. And he tells, uh, he tells, he tells the story of Israel, and then he tells the story of the, the Exodus. Well, the Exodus kind of is pointing now in Christ to a new Exodus. And then he tells the story of King David. He points to David, and he's pointing to a new king, a son in the line of David, that as Isaiah then prophesies a couple hundred years later, that this son is going to have a government in the increase of his government and his peace, there's not going to be any end. He's going to be on the throne of David, his father, forever. His throne will never end. His reign will never end. And so all of that is being packed in. John the Baptist then comes and points, this is Jesus. I'm not even, and he's the greatest prophet ever. And I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals that are on his feet. And then we picked it up last week in verse 26, brothers, you descendants of Abraham. And so he starts preaching. We've been given the message of, of salvation. And this message of salvation was prophesied, talked about every single Sabbath in the prophets. They proclaimed the coming anointed one. But you murdered him. You colluded with the Roman Empire and murdered the Son of God. But God raised him from the dead. This is good news. He says, this is the good news. But God raised him up from the dead. And we bring you the good news, verse 32, that God promised to our ancestors and has fulfilled for us their children by raising Jesus as also it is written in the second Psalm. So I want to just pause here for a second. And he's about to give some scripture references, but it just reminded me to say something about preaching, about homiletics, about the, the study of homiletics. That means the study of preaching and speaking the word of God, and the, and the study of hermeneutics. That's the study of the interpretation of scripture and the combination of those things. Because sometimes I'm asked, why do you preach the way you preach? Why, do you, why are you always telling the story? Why do you use a verse here and a verse there and then align that through the lens of Jesus to the whole story? Why? Because that's what Paul does. It's biblical theology. 
looking through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so he's going to quote three random verses, or so it seems, one from Psalms, another from Isaiah, another from a different Psalm, and he's going to pull those pieces together and then proclaim forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. (laughs) And so... Psalm 2, verse 7 is this first quote. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Well, it's not just that verse. What all's going on in Psalm 2? The nations are shaking their fists at God. The the kings are saying, you're not going to rule over us. And then God comes and says, I've installed my king in Zion. And you are my son. And you will rule over all of the nations. Ask me. And I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Now, that's what's going on as Paul points to Psalm 2, verse 7. Then he quotes Isaiah 55, verse 3. And as to raising him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will, and look, here's the quote, I will give you the holy promises made to David. That's Isaiah 55, 3. Well, Isaiah 55 is this huge invitation to come. You've been Just wearing yourself out on stuff that doesn't satisfy. Come and get drink. Come and get real bread. Come and get real abundant life. All these promises. David stood up as an example, but I'm sending one who is going to be the anointed one who's going to bring all of this to land on planet earth. And it's for you. It's for you. And so that's what he's saying here. I give you the promises, the holy promises made to David, to the son, Jesus Christ. And then there's one more quote. Therefore, he has also said in another psalm, so this is Psalm 16, verse 10, you will not let your Holy One experience corruption. So he's saying, Psalm Psalm 16 is just this incredible psalm. Read it, chew on it. The boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Like he's given him the earth. Heaven and earth, all authority. Those are the boundary lines of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's all been given to Jesus. And and even though David died and experienced corruption, the King, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead and not experience corruption. And you've shown to me the path of life. And in your presence is the fullness of joy. Wow, like, That's what Paul's alluding to in the story. And in just these little bitty references to Scripture, he's going, it it, it points to all of that. I mean, even the Isaiah 55 piece, it's like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant is in there. And then 54, expand your tent pegs, you know, heal the broken cities and the desolate places. All of that's in there. So come and get this abundant life. It's all in Jesus. For David, after he'd served his purpose, he died and was laid beside his ancestors and experienced corruption. But God, the, he whom God raised up experienced no corruption. Let it be known, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from all those sins which you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. I read those verses last week, but it's like alive again. It's alive again to me and to us because this is the gospel. This is the good news. And it may not sound exactly like we think, you know, with this this dichotomy option of either you go to heaven when you die or you go to hell. He's not even saying that. He's saying, and I don't want to get into all that, but just he's saying 
forgiveness of sins has to happen for us to experience and express the life of the kingdom on the earth. And it's that reign of King Jesus. It's that reign of the kingdom coming on the earth. You get to the end of Acts and Paul is speaking. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's speaking boldly for the Lord and proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing here. The reign of God has come to earth. Forgiveness of sins is marking it out. Freedom from bondage is marking this out. So what's there? What's there in this gospel is the story. The story of Israel, of Exodus. The, it's, it's, it's the story of the kingdom. It's the murder of Jesus Christ, but it's God raising him from the dead. And it touches on the nations and it brings forgiveness to us all. It's a warning to believe what God is doing in our time. And that's what we need to hear right now about this good news, that God is alive, he's moving, he's loving us with covenant love. He never stopped. It's not a contractual deal where if, if we love him, then he's gonna love us back. He loves us with covenant love. So it's him initiating when we could never do anything. It's God loving us. I think that's part of, in the midst of a chaotic time, I needed to hear it myself that he loves us. I'm just driving in, just, he loves, he loves me. And you're like, oh, I've got that one. I still need to hear it. I, I leak, I need to hear that there is a nonstop, never-ending Niagara of the triune relational God of love pouring into and over and out into my life and the world around me. I know we need to hear it. And what isn't there? What isn't there is that we're out of here. There's not stuff for us to do right now that the climax of the gospel is about getting out of here and going somewhere else. When, when you read Paul again and again, you're going to see something's coming from heaven here. Something's been poured out from heaven here. That Jesus, that the trajectory is heaven to earth and bringing these things together. And what's not there is the inner workings of atonement, of how God did all that, how he brought about forgiveness. I mean, those things are important, but but he's not trying to unpack all. How did God do all that? C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, it's like vitamins. We, you know, we eat the food and we get stronger. We don't know how it exactly works. And that's kind of like Jesus vicariously dying for us, for humanity. I don't understand everything. I've got lots of, I, I can talk theology with you, but the main thing is that Jesus died and was raised again by the power of God and he offers forgiveness and life and meaning and purpose in his reign to everyone who puts their trust in him. So believe in what God is doing right now in our time. And then the second piece of this is that we're called to guard against not believing what God is doing. To guard against unbelief. And that, here we go again. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Beware, therefore. This is the quote from Acts 13, verse 40. Beware, therefore, that what the prophet said does not happen to you. Verse 41. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perish, for in your days I'm doing a work, a work that you'll never believe, even if someone tells you. So again, going back, I want to just give a little bit more space to Habakkuk here because he finishes, he finishes this sermon with a quote. And the Jews they would have understood that this was not just a verse and you just take it out of context, but it actually applies to the whole letter. They would have understood who Habakkuk was, that he was this prophet who lived right before the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem. 
And they were going all over the world, man. I mean, they were taking people down. They would grab people in their nets and they would enslave them and, and just mistreat them and all this kind of stuff. And the Babylonians, everybody knew about the Babylonians. They were this vicious, godless, idol-worshiping, cruel people. They were the empire of the time. And so the prophet Habakkuk is complaining, Lord, how long? Violence, injustice, all of this. And then he comes and the Lord's first answer is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make things right, but you won't believe it when it's right in front of your eyes. And that's what Paul's quoting. Habakkuk goes on and complains some more. He said, these guys are terrible. These Babylonians are horrible. And then God answers a second time. And he says at the beginning of chapter 2 of Habakkuk, write the vision down. Put it on tablets. Can you imagine? I don't know how all that worked, you know. Um, takes me a while to get my thoughts out, but imagine if it was just one letter. <laughs> anyway, random thought. Um, but write the vision down on tablets so that we can, people can run with it. And then where we, where we landed last week, we need to hear this again. The righteous will live by faith. That per verse is quoted again and again. The righteous will live by faith. And it's not just like how much faith do you have? Do you have enough faith? Are you swinging hard enough? Are you trying hard enough? It's, that's not the message. The righteous will live by faithfulness is another way of saying that. That's another way Paul just, it's, it's the faithfulness ultimately of God. Like we're living because God is faithful to his covenant promises. He kept the promise to Israel. He kept the promise to David. These covenants that he had made. He keeps the promise through the covenant of Jesus Christ, the new covenant. So this is, Lord, we're living now by faith in your faithfulness, by faith in your goodness. And Habakkuk continues his lament. This whole thing is a lament. I encourage you to look at the Bible project on Habakkuk. That's a good, it's six minutes or something. And they do a good job with it. Don't do it now. Keep, keep watching. And, uh, but, uh, but, but he goes on about the Babylonians. And I mean, he's just lamenting who these, they're prideful. They, they do economic injustice. They oppress people. They, they, they get all kinds of heavy interest rates out of them. They, they do slavery. They do drunkenness. They do sexual sin and they're idol worshipers. They try to get these things that can't even speak to answer their prayers. And then in Habakkuk 3, Habakkuk falls on his knees in prayer. Oh Lord, I've heard of your renown. We just sang that this morning. I stand in awe of you and of your work. In our time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. Oh God, would you come and meet us here in this chaotic time? Remember mercy, God. Help us. We need you so much. And then he tells the story of the Exodus and they're built into that is a longing for another exodus, for another time of God coming to set his people free, of God sending the anointed one. And then at the end of that, he's just in repentance. I'm broken about this situation. I'm just absolutely undone. And let me read verse 17, 18, and 19 at the end of the, 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 the letter, the book of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vine, Though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no fruit, no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. And it's just a picture there at the end of Habakkuk, after all this lamenting, the Babylonian empire's coming in, they're taking over, and the righteous are going to live by faith, but he shows us kind of what does that look like? What does it look like to live by faith? Even when we see chaos and no fruit and things aren't going the way we want and the pandemic's happening and there's social unrest, and then we got the elections coming and all that stuff, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God who is my salvation and my Savior. And He will make my feet stand on the mountain. Even when I'm, it seems like it's a, it's, a, it's a tenuous place. It's a rocky place. He gives me firm footing underneath my feet. So there's a challenge here for all of us. And the challenge is to align our lives with Jesus Christ. Align our lives to God in the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, the revelation that the Holy Spirit is pointing us to, that Jesus is the Lord and that Jesus is the King, that the righteous will indeed live by faith, but not like, do you have enough? I hope you have enough. I mean, I'm trusting not in me. I'm trusting that God is faithful, living by the faithfulness of God. Man, that's the way to live. And in the empire, another challenge here for us is in the empire, the enemy puts blinders on our eyes to not see the goodness of God, to get caught up in all of the stuff that's happening, to get just wiped out by everything that's happening around us. And you can choose that path. That is, that's like God gives us that freedom to just get wiped out. Or we can keep turning, keep repenting, keep aligning ourselves with God and see the goodness of God who hasn't turned away from us. This could be the greatest hour of the church if we will not be unbelieving about what he's doing in our days. He's moving in our lives. He's moving in our hearts. Oh God, here's another alignment place is open our eyes to see Jesus. The God of this age wants to blind our eyes so that we cannot see the gospel of the glory of Christ. God's saying, let light shine in their hearts. Around this room, let light shine in their hearts. Just around your living room, let light shine in their hearts so they can see the the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul's going to go on to say that later in 2 Corinthians. And and that's, that's good news. It's huge good news. Repentance is what we need. Lord, we come under you. Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. And then we want to walk like Habakkuk, rejoicing in you and trusting in the Lord who's going to allow us to stand when there's so many things that would just make our, make our feet stumble. Like Tony Finau at the Masters. I don't know why I thought of that. But just there's so much that just like we, we just our feet want to give out from under us. Under us. But God makes us stand. God makes us stand. And so, you know, let me just go back and finish up there where I was at in Iconium in Acts 14. So they preach the message and it divides the people. Isn't that wild? They preach this message and then everybody's divided. Some believe, some don't. And it's even interesting to me too that there in verse, in verse 5, 
the Jews and the Gentiles, the unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles, end up against the gospel. They, they, like, they're historically not aligned, but they align together against God. Isn't that wild? Just the Jews and the Gentiles, and they're trying to figure out a way to mistreat them and to stone them. It gets postponed in, Antioch, in Iconium. It actually happens in the next city, in, in Lystra. Paul does get, you know, uh, stoned by the, the people. And so it's this, we're in this place where we need to make a choice. And I want to encourage you about that because our pride, you know, that the, the stuff that marks the Babylonian empire, really that's, those are kind of type stuff that's marked all the empires. Pride, economic injustice, slavery, drunkenness, sexual sin, idolatry, oppressing other people. All of that stuff is what marks empire. And the Lord wants us to wake up during this time to be the Jesus people, to be the King Jesus people, to live by faith. And when the gospel goes out like this, apart from Jesus and apart from the light that God brings, we end up getting uh, prideful and we form our own opinions and we end up, you know, we can't, we can't live with our own opinions and come under Jesus. Like the more opinions that we have about stuff, the less we're able to come under the authority of Jesus. And, and I don't mean that to be heavy. It's just like you can't live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and live by dependence on the tree of life at the same time. It's, it's a surrender thing. It's a offering ourselves to the Lord. And so where there's lots of opinions, watch out. If you've got lots of opinions, if you sense accusation coming through you to others, to other brothers and sisters, watch out for the work of the Satan. Because that's what he does. He accuses brothers and sisters. And so it's just a reminder here. I mean, wow, they preach the gospel and people get divided. And so, Lord, would you give us grace to trust you as the king to come under you, to show us how to speak, to show us how to love. One thing we know for sure is that we are going to be marked by love in this next season. That's how people know we're disciples. And that's the main thing we want to do here at Antioch Fort Worth is we want to be disciples who are following Jesus Christ. We may not be right about every dot and tittle and every piece of doctrine, but we want to follow Jesus with all of our lives. We are trusting in him with all of our lives. You know, and just, Lord, would you renew us? Would you help us? Would you bring your grace and your love and your mercy even today in the name of Jesus? Amen. So Aaron, come on up. I just want to, there's a few things I want to minister to us here. We've got a little bit of time and just want us to respond to the Lord. So I haven't done this, I don't think, before during the pandemic time, but if you, if you would, right in your living room, if you'd go ahead and stand up. We're going to do like some ministry here. Just go ahead and stand up and let's respond to the Lord. Lord, would you bring right now just... Everybody that can hear my voice, would you bring alignment where their alignment needs to happen in the name of Jesus? Just in this whole, whole situation, we want to come under the kingdom. We want to get right with you. We want to respond to you, your covenant love to us. Where we've blown it, we want to repent. We want to walk with you, Jesus. 
You are the King and the Lord. We proclaim it. You know, one of the things that happened, you guys, was that they proclaimed the word of the Lord boldly, speaking for God and the word of His grace. And God testified to that by doing signs and wonders. And I just realized one of the things we've been missing in our, in our services, because we don't have people, we don't have our ministry time, is how many prayers of healing aren't getting to happen. And I just really felt led, since that's what was happening here, to just for us to pray for healing today. And I, I was with down there in Waco and, and heard a story from one of our pastors and who was there. And he said he'd, he and some, some guys had done a little prayer service on YouTube. There was only four of them in the room. But they were praying and prophesying for healing over this one particular, uh, it was a lady in the church, her mom was in a coma. And they had the phone in the hospital room and they were showing and they're just praying with all their hearts at the camera, God, heal her, wake her up in the name of Jesus. And, and uh, Andrew said, he, he said, uh, you know, it didn't happen that night. She didn't wake up, but she woke up two nights later. And I just, man, let's pray. You know, if you're hurting, I know people that have COVID right now. If you're hurting, if you're fearful, if you're just, just, if you need healing, raise a hand. And if it's everybody in your living room that needs healing, just all kind of touch shoulders or something. Father, would you just come right now and bring your healing power into our lives? I pray for the physically sick right now. Lord, would you bring healing in the name of Jesus? But we're not even pretending that it's because of us. It's because of you. You bring your healing, your life, your compassion. But just raise people up to fullness of health and life. Lord, where there's, there's wounds and just even emotional pains and wounds that are happening during this time. Lord, bring healing in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, raise people up where there's joints and things that don't feel right, hurt backs and just headaches and just all this stuff and we're just getting under it and overwhelmed lord bring healing bring help in the name of jesus father let your kingdom come and make things right on earth just like it is in heaven we ask in the name of jesus again lord i'm asking bring alignment to us and i i, I felt led too to just say you know if there's something that you need to repent from where you've aligned yourself with Babylon. Just any of that stuff. Pride, economic injustice, oppressing others, drunkenness, sexual sin, idolatry. Let's just, Father, would you just give us grace to turn away from those things right now. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and that it's enough. And that you made a way for us to experience forgiveness of sins and freedom from the past and bondage. We thank You, Lord. God, we thank You so much. You are so good. In the midst of our pain and brokenness and all the junk, we are turning away from the stuff that's killing us and turning to You. We are turning away from the things that are broken about humanity and turning to You. And we thank You for grace this morning. And Lord, we want to be like Habakkuk. Lord, we want to rejoice in You. We want to exalt in You. We want to thank you that you are the God of our salvation. And we ask now as we continue to move through this time, make our feet stand like a deer on the mountain. Give us firm footing in the name of Jesus. We love you so much. We thank you for grace this morning. 
And Lord, just like we said at the beginning, we want to believe in what you are doing in our days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so just love on each other. Just go ahead and like give a hug right now. Somebody close by. And may the Lord give you grace to believe in what he's doing in our days. May he give you grace to block out the schemes of the enemy in the name of Jesus. The victory is in Jesus Christ. May you walk in it. In his mighty name, amen. Go in peace, y'all.